Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Full Throttle. We're in the commentary box here at Magnicourt in central France, and we've just gone off air after what has been... I think it's fair to say, pretty exciting and definitely a very historic weekend of World Superbikes. It's Freddie Spencer here, it's Greg Haynes here as well. Where do we start, Freddie? Well, we have to start, don't we, with Jonathan Ray. Four of a kind, as they say. Yeah, he... You know, when when you do something as dramatic as what Jonathan has done, dramatic, I mean, in, in the hit race in history and you witness it, you obviously start reflecting on the job that that person has done and the way they've gone about it. And and we've we've talked about winning four in a row. No rider's done that. Of course, others have, Carl Fogarty did win four championships, but not four in a row. And then, of course, um, the fact of the most podiums this weekend. And again, just the, the way he executes. And, and Jonathan, his professionalism, his race strategy, I, I believe, as we, we talked about in the show, that, that everything has not gone perfect for Jonathan. You know, he started off and, and then on the Honda and he won some races, but was maybe wanted to get into MotoGP and, and made some of those things, you know, that didn't happen. And then he went to Kawasaki and he started really laying the groundwork for him to, to make his mark on history. And... He's taken advantage of every opportunity that he's been given. And, and like I said, I think he's just done a great job. He represents World Superbike very well. And, you know, now he's won four. There's no reason he, he can't win five. We know he's got a two-year deal in the work or, you know, with Kawasaki at least two more years. And, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see. He's done 100 races now with Kawasaki. Today was his 100th race, yesterday his 99th. He's won 53 <laughs> of that. So even I know that's 53%. He's only two away from Carl Fogarty's record of 55 with Ducati, one rider with one manufacturer. Obviously, Freddie, you had tremendous amounts of success with Honda in Grand Prix racing. What does it feel like when you are so closely knit with your crew chief? Obviously, it was Irv Kanemoto for you, Pere Riva for Jonathan Ray. It must be such a lovely feeling. It is. It's a feeling of, of contentment, really. You know, as racers, I've gotten asked so many times, what, what is it that you feel most when you stand on that podium? And many times it's relief, you know, that you finally got there, you got that win, everything you did paid off. And But Jonathan is in a very, in a position, and he said it himself after 
the race in race one when he did wrap up the championship and was he felt blessed. He felt very fortunate. And that is a, a great feeling, really, where he knows the team he has around, the people that have contributed to his success from his team, his crew chief, and mechanics, Kawasaki, and, of course, his family that have given him the support both in emotional and in presence to be able to give him the opportunity to fulfill his place and that purpose. And, and, and that's, you're right, it, that feeling of contentment that he's feeling of, of absorbing and, and taking everything in, there's no greater feeling really in sports, in motorsports, except in that when you have that situation. It's a wonderful feeling. His book launch coming out as well uh, this Thursday. Steve Parrish, I know, is presenting an event at uh, the IRAC building in London. Uh, and Jonathan, perhaps worryingly for everybody else, really, his line of the weekend perhaps is, the best is yet to come. I think it probably is as well. Yeah, and, and exactly that he doesn't see any, any end in sight, and there's no reason to if he just keeps going about it the way he's going about it. And, and I said this in, in, the, in the broadcast, that one of the impressive things is, and it shows truly his level of confidence and control of the situation, is he's usually the first rider out of the, of the you know, grid. Um, at the start of every practice at a pit road. And he doesn't even look back. It doesn't matter who's, who's behind him. You know, he, he just knows the pace that he can run. He's only concerned about that. And, and it, it really puts himself in a, in a position. It's not, again, it's not an arrogance. It's, a, it's just a, a belief that he has, that he's not worried about someone figuring out what he's doing. And he just gets goes out and, and gets the job done. And, and that's, like I said, that's a wonderful position to be in and certainly one that he wants to continue on. And you don't see any reason why it won't unless, which is what we talked about, that the other, the other manufacturers certainly have got to step up. And we'll have to see with the Ducati and the V4 and, and the new BMW that's coming out. But it's going to be tough for everyone. We would normally introduce a big introduction now for Rider of the Weekend, but there's no need for me to do that, is there, this week? Yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously it's Jonathan Ray. I mean, just an, and it's not a one-weekend award that is. You know, I, I picked him. We, I was laughing. Remember, I was telling you earlier that I debated about on race two at Portugal whether it was Chaz Davis maybe just because of what he had done the whole weekend even though Jonathan had won the race, but just where he'd come from at the start on Friday and with the crash that he had, remember he had the engine problem and it looked like, oh, nothing is going right for Chaz. And, yeah. and, he, and he led the first 10 laps of the race at, at Portugal. Today, in race two, he was happy afterwards, you know, because he did get a strong second. It was less than two seconds behind Jonathan at the end, <laughs> even though Jonathan probably could have went quicker if he needed to. But... But he did put in a basically a, a trouble-free race, and in that smile was back, and so that sets up good for him going into the last two weekends. But uh, it's certainly Jonathan Ray is the rider of the weekend. Well, Charlie Hiscott, our pit reporter, has been busy as always. Of course, he's been chatting with some of the people who make Jonathan Ray tick, and they can tell us what makes Jonathan Ray tick. Some of the people close to him. Let's listen in then. From a selection of people now, Claire, Jonathan Ray's mum, his wife, Tash, 
his best mate, a truck driver, a general right-hand man, Kevin Havenhand, such a nice man as well, is Kev. And of course, the man himself, we can't forget, can we, Jonathan Ray. Jonathan, you did it. Incredible. No words, really, just uh, I wanted to make the race mine from the start, and we worked so hard all weekend on, uh, you know, on pace, one lap pace, and uh, you know, fair play to Tom, that lap in qualifying was incredible. It just took the edge off our weekend a little bit, but I have nothing, uh, no words, you know, just kid with a dream from Northern Ireland and I never stopped believing in myself and finally I got here ups and downs along the way it's it's an incredible journey and you know, I just feel like incredible now but I feel the best yet to come you know I, I still want to keep learning and keep improving myself but just absolutely living the dream congratulations thanks Charlie thanks very much I'm here with Tosh Ray Tosh number four how are you feeling Oh, look, it's been one of those journeys again and just so overwhelmed and it's like no words really because, you know, part of me like knows he was going to do it but you can never take it for granted because he works so hard for this and honestly I can't believe like how he still wants this and how he's so aggressive and he's still, it's like this is the first championship all over again. He just doesn't seem to want to let up and, and he, just, he just wants it badly and so proud of him. You've been with Jonathan since the beginning. Um, how does this season compare to his other seasons? I would say he just matures and gets stronger every year. And um, he just he knows what he wants. He knows his strengths and he knows his weaknesses. And he's just he's just come into his own. And, and he, he wants to be at the top of the game as long as he can. And he just strives so hard to, to stay there and to be there. And, you know, I just stand beside him and, and support him all I can. And me and the boys... You know, it's it's not all easy, as any family knows, to, to be there all the time, but we make it work, and we're just so proud that, you know, we're at the top of that, that tree, and we'll try and stay here as long as we can. How are you going to celebrate? Oh, well, I do the drinking in the family, so see that bottle of Prosecco? That will be mine in about 10 minutes. Hey, well done, Tosh. Thank you. Woo! Just totally amazing. Probably best out of the four. For what reason, I just don't know, but it just seems so more exciting. We were just saying to the kids there, maybe you should stand beside that number one in case it doesn't come again. But sure, it's, it's amazing. What he's done is totally amazing. The definition of an unsung hero, Kevin Havenhand. Kev, you've been with Jonathan for since, since day one, basically, and you are here for every single thing, the ups and the downs, at the track, working hard all the time. So for anybody, this must mean a lot to you. How do you feel? Yeah. Uh, don't, don't cry, Kev. Yeah. I've just been told to take my glasses off by you. And I said I didn't want to because I start crying. So, uh, but yeah, 11 years. Um, met him in BSB when he was Keen Ari's teammate. And uh, second behind Andrew Pitt in 2008. And I guess everybody watching at home knows, uh, knows the rest of the story. Uh, I did say uh, when he won his first championship, there'd be four. So I'm, I don't want to put my foot in it now uh, and say five, but i got four right, so hopefully you can uh, continue next year with a new bike and um, just carry on. I hope you all enjoyed it, guys. Keep up the good work, Kev. Thank you. Thanks very much, Charlie. Thank you. Well, a lot of very happy people there. And as Claire said, who knows? You never know when it's going to end, but uh, you do get the feeling that's going to go on for some time. Here's Star Tweet time. Thanks to Will Martin for tweeting in. 
<laughs> this is a good one. Thanks, Will. This is very true, actually. I love how Greg and Freddie are chatting away about stray dogs and nearly missed Jonathan Ray crossing the line <laughs> for yet another race win and double. Yes, that's very true, actually. Sorry about that. But we were talking about something that could potentially, Freddie, be a problem in Argentina in two weeks' time for the new races. Yeah, and plus Jonathan knew, we knew he had the race one. You know, that's, <laughs> he did that yesterday. But no, but uh, yeah, we, we were talking about the possibility of, of something that is not something you would normally see at a race weekend, uh, stray dogs. <laughs> Here's another good one as well, just to throw this in. Uh, Jeff Groom is asking, how does Freddie compare rider skills, brackets, electronic aids, etc., compared with your day on two-stroke animals? And he actually does use the word animals, which is quite uh, quite apt, as we've just been talking about dogs. But uh, how do they compare, Freddie? Well, it, it's really a different type of trust. Um, it's something I've, I've tried to talk about or have talked about this year in the broadcast and relating the pre-electronic era with the electronic era and and what the riders are dealing with now is sure it can help and it, it certainly the electronic aids are if you understand how they work and how to get the most out of them and still it takes riders to be able to trust the electronics to work at the right time and the engineers and, and the to be able to help to adapt it to a rider's capabilities and so you know but before it was certainly left more up to the rider um you know what you felt i was the the to, you know electronics as well as the data acquisition you know to be able to figure out what was going on with the bike and and so it took a different type skill uh in skills but still at the end of the day, the best riders in the non-electronic era or in the electronic era are the ones that can adapt to the conditions, can adapt to what the motorcycle gives you, how the motorcycle works, and how you interact with the bike, and to be able to get the most out of it and consistently to be able to do it. And that's something that great riders like Jonathan Ray is able to do, is figure out, like he did today with Chaz Davis. He couldn't make the pass in five he figured out the lap before that he could make the pass on the inside and going through, what was it, eight. And yeah. so that is that adaptability that is required. We'll move on in a second because we need to talk about the support classes because there's been some amazing achievements there this weekend. So just quickly skimming through the rest of the Superbike grid. Uh, MV Augusta had a very quiet weekend with Jordi Torres. Nothing too impressive there, to be honest. The BMW with Loris Baz, he tried his hardest, didn't he? But uh, they can't really make an impression at the moment. Very quickly, Freddie, about Loris Baz. It was his home round. He tried his hardest. He really did. Yes, he did. And, you know, sometimes that can work against him where, you know, Loris really wanted to do well this weekend. You could see every chance he got. He, yeah. he was the one rider that was behind Jonathan in most of the practices, you know, trying to figure out areas that he needed to improve, that they could maybe improve the bike. and and um, But it just didn't go his, his way in the race. And, and, you know, that's where a lot of the riders, most riders that are trying to compete with Jonathan, they are forced into making mistakes, you know, trying too hard in areas that they shouldn't. And, and in fact, that's what happened to Loris. We saw in one of the sessions that he was behind Jonathan this morning. He was remembering the practice session yes. and the warm-up, yeah. and he crashed. Yes. And, and so, like I said, I like Loris a lot, and, and it certainly would have been great to have a better showing for him um, and in front of his home crowd. The others, very quickly, Honda still seem quite lost. We don't really need to get into that too much, I don't think, at the moment. Uh, they are expecting some new parts, though, aren't they, in Argentina, so we'll see what happens there. 
Aprilia, well, Salvadori's weekend was decent. He had a very good result, actually, when he was fourth in race one yesterday. But they're just generally struggling for a lack of grip on the rear. Laverty said it felt like he's only on one tyre, just the front, which isn't very good, obviously. But he made a bad mistake in Super Bowl one. He waited to not go back out again. And he got bumped out, didn't he? Yes, and, and he admitted that was a mistake. And it was his decision not to go back out at the very end because he felt that the seven-tenths gap that he had uh, but bef you know, between him and third place, that no one would be able to make it up. And Top Rack put a tire on, was able to close that gap and, and bumped him out of the top two. And so he didn't go through to Super Bowl two. But it's, it is an example of you can't assume. Assumption mm -hmm. can be the, the mother of all screw-ups and, and certainly take you out of the situation. And, and where that hurt Eugene was in, in now this qualifying position, being out of the top ten, you get you don't get up with the group in front, and they're struggling with with getting the rear grip and the tire performance anyway. And so, to try to get up there, you have to push harder, and and of course you force and overuse the tire even more, and and it's just a, a, a vicious cycle of of not making the right decisions. Yamaha. 100th race for Van der Mark this afternoon. Good podium, and once again, they've made good changes coming back from Saturday to Sunday. But something we did talk about, actually, in the commentary box earlier on when we were live is the fact that, really, should they be needing to make so many changes? Why can't they be there from Saturday and not only on Sunday? Well, and exactly right. One of the things they're going to have to address is the, the fact that it seems like they have to make a lot of uh, suspension and setup changes or they're constantly chasing that from day to day to day and and you know many times uh, as Michael said I mean it was at the very end of free practice before they got it figured out before he got into the top 10 yeah and but by Sunday afternoon he's battling for a podium and mm -hmm. so you need to be in that top two or three and the first practice and and so a good motorcycle, good racing bike, good well-balanced bike, basically you have a good foundation that you start with, and the rider either needs to not be dependent on making the changes to go quick and consistently quick, or the motorcycle has to be to where it's it's a little more flexible and it's it's capability and adjusting to different tracks and conditions. And you, you're certainly always going to make minor changes based on temperature and grip level or track being bumpy or smooth, but not over, not such dramatic changes to where you get your right. You're you're just chasing all the time, and and that's all the manufacturers. Because I I guarantee you, Jonathan, they're not doing that. They got a good foundation, mm. and then they make minor adjustments. Because he's third, fourth lap, first practice, always right there. Chas Davis, to use an expression I used in the commentary, paying the point because. He was leading for a long time in race two today and came back from, again, difficult circumstances. He was passed by Jonathan Ray exactly where you predicted he would be at the 180 corner. Uh, good second place, though, especially yeah. considering that collarbone. Yeah, it was a great ride by Chaz. I was so happy to see the smile that he had at the end of yeah. the race. And, and again, considering that terrible nine weeks he had and he got through Portugal and then to, to wrap up uh, today with a really good solid ride. And you could see he felt good about it. And now we have to see what Ducati is able to do with the new V4 mm. and the difference that will make for Chaz, you know, to, to truly challenge Jonathan every race, the entire race, and not just kind of hang on. We know the Ducati because you can see it. 
it really seems to be kind of a knife edge of, of good or bad setup-wise and stability-wise, and certainly seems to be able to, it gets out of shape real easily, and, and or I should say unstable, and the riders, you know, that makes it difficult to, to be consistent enough to, to beat someone like a Jonathan Ray who doesn't make mistakes and who is riding a motorcycle and has a riding style that really doesn't make many mistakes. So. Okay, let's move on to the support classes. We'll have to start with Super Sport 300. Well, <laughs> Super Sport 300, Freddie. Anna Carrasco is world champion. She's the first ever female rider to claim a solo motorcycle racing title in an official FIM world championship. Road racing, of course, that is. I mean, the race was just crazy, wasn't it? It was wonderful. You know what, Greg, and, and we talked about this, and I want to let all the fans know who's listening to this, how much I've enjoyed you and I doing the broadcast this year and and working with all the guys that, you know, most, you know, because when Jamie's not here, you know, I've been doing the shows and Jamie's back doing the BSBs and Matt and and Shaky and, and James and, and everyone here and, and it's it's races it's races that you don't expect, and I never knew how exciting the 300 World Super Sport was going to be. But I started looking forward to it every yeah. race, and and coming in today, you know, to be calling a race where truly history is made, something that years from now people will remember that I was there and I saw Anna Krasko win the first World Championship as a female rider and. And as we said, a solo, but the ro- ro- motorcycle road racing world championship, not a sidecar, but a motorcycle. And that was that. And, and going into the race, I, I was really concerned for her. In fact, nervous because mm. she, you know, one of the things she said in a quote was, is that, you know, the, the men are, are, you know, late on brakes, but they're also, they make dangerous moves. And, and that hesitancy that I started seeing a couple of races ago that she had where, you could see once you get in a crowd and, and almost protecting that lead, I was afraid was going to be her downfall because, especially after we saw in, in the Super Bowl one where she didn't get through and, and was, what, in 20th, qualified, you know, 25th. 25th, right, 25th. And and you could almost see in that last lap in Super Bowl one where she basically didn't even pass the riders in front of her. She didn't try to, you know, really get by him and, and I'm saying she's got to break that cycle. She's got to trust, you know. And and we we got into the race and we got what with three laps to go. And and her her crew put on her board that she was in P19. She needed to be in P10 or better because Perez and Daru was up front. If they won the race or got in the top two, she would be in trouble. And and Daru dropped out. Perez looked like he was going to get first or second pretty easily. Then Anna was out of the top 15 with on going into the last lap. And then when Perez took the lead, I thought, it's over for her because she's out of, definitely out of the top 10. And then the last two corners, she made up two spots, and Perez got passed by Valley in the last car, you know, going into the last section. And what a dramatic scene that was and to <laughs> win by one point. It was, it was point. just like meant to be, you know. Yeah. And, and she didn't even know it. Remember we were talking about she was so let down, so emotional, the drain of leading this, the responsibility that 
she had to feel on her shoulders, even though she wanted to just enjoy it, but knowing that she was going to do something that truly was making history. And then when she finally realized it, just the emotion. And so it was, like I said, it was great to be a part of the broadcast for that and great to be here at, at Magna Coors to see, see history made. You have to feel for Scott Derue. His bike broke. He had a problem with the shift of the looks of things, didn't he? Second race uh, out of three. That, that he's had a problem like that. Unbelievable. Luca Grunval did all he could. He was coming from 14th, but he did need to win the race. It was a very long shot. And Mika Perez, I mean, he was in tears, wasn't yeah. he? Understandably. He did everything he needed he did. to do. Yeah. Even was... though Valle had passed him. And by the way, Danny Valle, what a great new great winner. Ride. 19 yeah. yesterday on right. Saturday. Winning his first race. Tremendous like, for him. Absolutely. And... and he said afterwards, but you're right. I mean, Perez... He, he must have thought second was enough. Exactly, exactly. And Carrasco, just when she needed to. Yeah. On the last lap, Unbe- made up those two couple spots to get within, to win it by one point. It was yeah. it was exciting, it was thrilling, it was it was terrible in some ways to watch at the same time. There were so many emotions. That is exactly what it should be about. That's wonderful. That's what say, it's all about, you bet you. I must say, I'm gutted for Scott Drew, I'm gutted for Luca Grunwald and Mika Perez, but at the same time, I am thrilled that Carrasco yes. won because for the good of the championship and motorcycle racing in general, that is the best thing that could have happened. Hey, listen, and the, the other thing is it's not like it was given to her by any means. You know, she started off the year strong. They made the changes to the rules. She got 13 kilos added to her bike, and it certainly affected her in the handling aspect of it, and, and it was something that she definitely struggled but she did continue to lead the championship, and, and even though she wasn't up battling for the wins, she was doing everything she could to hang on to that, and she did enough and got the job done. So uh, congrats, Anna. Anna Carrasco made history today to be world champion. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's, it's unbelievable for me. We worked so hard to, to be here. Uh, yeah, I think I only can say thank you to, to all the Kawasaki team, to, to David Salom and all the team, because they worked hard to, to help me to arrive here, also to, to my family, because they gave me everything during all this year, and also to, to my friends. And yeah, I want to, to dedicate this title to Luis Salom, because we were good friends, and yeah, uh, the day we lost him, I promised to myself to dedicate the title, my first title to him. Great stuff. So Anna Carrasco makes history. Superstop 1000. We've had the very last race, race number 185 at the end of their 20th season. And it was confirmed earlier in the week that the European Stock 1000 Championship would end at the end of this weekend, just as Stock 600 did in 2015. Looking ahead to the future, we'll talk more about this over the off-season in the podcast. But uh, there might be three superbike races next year, maybe two 300s, two 600s. But uh, Marcus Reiterberger, Freddie, he's done it. And that was a nail-biting race as well. It, it was. It was one of the best races we had this weekend. And, and just the battles going on within the battles because, you know, it, laid, it set up perfectly being the last ever Superstock Championship round. Everyone wants to be the winner of that yeah, race. Yeah. Then you had the championship battle going within that. And again, wanting to end the year, being it was their last race, wanted to win, win the race. And so, yeah, it was, it was exciting. And right there, we talked about the fact, yeah, he's won, he won three German championships, but that's not like racing in the world stage. Even though it was a European superstock, it's still in the world stage, yeah. world superbike race. Yeah. And the fact that he did go up and, and move up to superbikes, it didn't go that well. He was younger, but now at 24 years old, to win the, the championship, he's certainly better prepared. 
and I like the way he went about the race. He didn't go into it just trying to hang in there. He pushed when he needed to, fighting for position, moving up into second, and, and every time that uh, Tamarini and, and a couple of them, of course, Sandy was leading the race, they, they put pressure on him. He came back at him, and, and I thought, like I said, I thought he, he went about it with a very mature approach, aggressive like he needed to be, didn't get out of his rhythm, and like with no hesitancy at all, and just got the job done, and congratulations to him. And commiserations to Roberto Tamburini and also yeah. to Max Sheep, who mm. went down. He was annoyed because he'd been in a, an amazing tussle, it must say. It was phenomenal with uh, Alessandro Del Bianco. That was an incredible fight to watch. And, of course, Stock 1000 does not continue next year. Let's hear, then, first of all, from the champion, Marcus Reiterberger, and then a few words from our guys back at Assen covering the BSB round. But James Whittam and co, they were chatting with Matt Roberts about how they feel about the fact that Stock 1000 actually won't continue next year. Marcus, congratulations. You are the 2018 European Superstock Champion. Very well done. Thank you very much. Yeah, the, the season was so cool for me. We have a lot of ups and downs, luckily more ups. And uh, yeah, at the end, this race was uh, begin difficult for me because from, from Portimao on, I don't feel so good on the bike. Friday was OK, not so bad. Saturday, we make a, first a big mistake, then a big progress. And yeah, in this race, it was really easy for me to ride. I tried to, to ride as, as fast as possible, but at the same time, take care because I want to be European champion. And yeah, I see, maybe I have the chance to, to fight for the victory. And then I was directly behind him, made a small mistake. And yeah, then I, I think maybe it's better to, to take it home. Good race. Hey, do you think we'll see you on a superbike next year? Yeah, we try to, to find a place. And the moment we are speaking a lot with some teams and uh, we are still waiting for BMW. And yeah, I just want to say thank you to all the team, to all the guys behind me and all the sponsors. And uh, this is a really good feeling for all. You're a really popular winner. Well done, Marcus. Thank you very much. Everybody deserves it. Our team um, is so, so lucky and yeah, can, no words more. I know that you're quite disappointed to see this championship go. Danny Carrera says it's because the manufacturers weren't interested in continuing it, but does that matter? It's With a super stock? That's what it is. It's completely mad. <laughs> why would you... Why, when a class you don't need, it's the only class you don't need any manufacturer... Uh, involvement whatsoever. That's All the they can do is give it? you a motorbike. Right. You, you can build I, a motorbike for 20 Can you believe grand? that they've lost interest? I no. can't believe any of no. them have, have lost interest in what is selling exactly the bikes the they've got in the people do showroom. buy. Mm. Do you know what my take on it is? <laughs> that that was a load of rubbish, right? Because if you think about it, the, the manufacturers all build a 1,000cc sports bike, bike, right? None of them build a 600 now, except for Yamaha. So the only way they're going to sell bikes is by putting them out there, letting them race, and letting them be successful, right? Now, what he's basically saying is we want to concentrate on three classes. We're going to have a 300, a 600, and then Superbike. Super but where, where do riders see progression in that championship? How do they go from, you know, from a, a Supersport 300 bike? How, where's the route to Superbike now? Because you've kind of cut out the, the three-quarter step, you know? I yeah. mean, they, they must have a master plan here, but there's, they, there's got to be another class that sort of comes in. But where is it? What, what is that class? Or, or, series? Is it... or is it going to be the fact that they're going to dumb down Superbike and make it too much like Superstock was, maybe. I mean, that's obviously that's got to be it, but that's cheap, you know, cheapening the rules, making the bikes cheaper to build so you can yeah. get more people Stock on the engines. grid. That's, you know, we've done a similar thing here in BSB and it's worked fantastically well. Hey, so, it's mad getting rid of Superstock now. But it just seems, just seems a funny, just seems a slightly funny move this early. Yep. 
And, and what's the advantage of not having it? Maybe organisationally, I suppose, logistically, with the size of well, the he, paddock, things like that? I don't know. I mean, yeah, obviously, you're going to need a bit more room in the paddock, but they've got room. They've got a big mm. circuits with big paddocks. He was alluding to the fact that there wasn't a lot of people on the grids, but it's the easiest bike, uh, easiest class to build a bike for. Can we summarise that by saying that you three are not satisfied with that explanation? Yes. yes. OK, yes. good. Fair enough. OK, well... There you go. There's some strong opinions there from the guys and nice to hear from Reiterberger. Very quickly before we go, Freddie, Supersport 600, Jules Cluzel, number 16, win in his career, number 16. And yeah, I think it's 11 points he's behind now, Sandro Cortese. Two races to go. It is very much on. Well, to come back from what happened at, at Portimao, where he got taken out by Cortese with the first lap of the race, he wasn't able to continue on. Sandro was, and yeah. really put his head down and did a great job to get back up, get sixth six place, and get points. So coming into this weekend, Jules really had a, something he needed to prove mm -hmm. and, and to kind of shake off that bad luck from Potomac, and he did that because he was quick. As, he really was quick as it, I felt, the quickest rider overall at, at the Portuguese round. And he showed that today. And what I liked was is that when Cortese put pressure on him, making those passes because he was getting a better run through turn three and out of three going down into into the hairpin, and he went past Cluzel four times. Yes. Wasn't able to make the pass stick. Yeah, Cluzel yeah. got back by him. He seemed Cluzel seemed to be Jules getting better. He was getting a better drive off the corner, and it forced Cortese to use up his front tire, as he said afterwards. But he just managed the race so well and, and did a great job. And, and so to win in front of his home crowd, there's nothing better than to win the World Championship round in your home country. And he did that and got the job done. And at least he made the championship uh, remain close. It's only 11 points with two rounds to go, so anything can happen. Luka Myers third, of course. He's 50 points behind now, so the only way he can retain the title is by winning the next two races. He'd go equal with Cortese, but he'd have more wins. But obviously that's pretty unlikely, but you never know. Anything can happen, as we've seen here today. Caracasulo went down on the last lap, fought back to 13, so he's lost a lot of points. And just one more thing to do before we sign off. Before we go, Freddie. Thank you. That's the thing I'd like to do before we sign off. I'd like to say thank you because it's been our last round together this year. Yeah. Uh, we've done, I think, five, is it we've done or is it less than that? Is it four? Yeah, did, you did, did. Don yeah. Aragon, Aragon first, a bit of Donington, Mazzano, Portimao, and here. Right. So it's four and a bit, isn't That's it, really? Right. Four and a bit. Many yeah, thanks. It's been a pleasure. We've had some pleasure. good laughs along the way absolutely. and some great insight. Yes, what have absolutely. you made of the World Superbike Paddock and of uh, the Eurosport team? Well, it, it's, you know, it's been great. And the openness of the paddock, the, the just uh, the people involved, it's great. As I said, I really enjoyed the time spent and, and hope that the viewers at home learn a little something. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm trying to convince anyone of anything, just sharing my knowledge and hopefully make the broadcast a little more entertaining and a little more enjoyable. And so uh, thank you, Greg. I do appreciate that. I look forward to, you never know, maybe may doing it again. Yeah, who knows? Uh, yeah. Very quickly, Freddie, I know you do a lot of classic events. Where might people be oh. able to find Freddie Spencer over the rest of the year? Well, this, uh, in fact, coming up this weekend, uh, be in Estoril. Uh, oh, yes. That's right. Yeah. A brand new event at Estoril in Portugal. Uh, it's going to be cars and motorcycles. I'm there with World Grand Prix legends, Wayne Gardner and Carlos Lovato, and there's many of us and Steve Parrish, Christian Saran, and 
Oh, wow. And, um, That's a good so lineup. Yeah, it'll be a nice event. And then and then uh, the next week I'll be in Greece, a brand-new event there also, uh, first time. And, and we're doing a little bit different. It's going to be Iago, uh, Marco Lucanelli, Carlos Lovato, myself. And we'll be actually on a boat going down and spend a couple mm-hmm. of days riding with everyone. And and then just a few more events after that, and then it's going to be the winter break. So, Yeah, before you know it, Christmas will come That's around right. again. Well, Freddie, thank you very much. Thank you very much to all of you for joining us over the weekend and here in the Full Throttle podcast. We'll be back with this next week, and I'll be on the line with somebody from BSB, not quite sure who yet, and we'll discuss what happened at Assen this weekend and looking ahead to the final round of the showdown and the final round of the season at Brands Hatch and, of course, the Argentinian round for World Superbikes. But uh, from Freddie, from Charlie Hiscott, and from me here at MagniCore, bye for now. I'll speak to you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.